Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. This morning, I would like to ask an honest question. You can raise your hand if you'd like to. How many of you have a Sunday morning routine? Anybody in here? Sunday morning routine. Not necessarily a bad thing. I'm just asking. I have a Sunday morning routine. I've had a Sunday morning routine as long as I can remember. I don't know what yours looks like. Perhaps yours starts with that, uh, maybe that evil button where it goes off, right? That noise goes off and you hit the button and you say, okay, 10 more minutes and then I'll start my routine. Maybe your routine starts the night before where you pick out your clothes. You say, okay, here's what I'm going to wear tomorrow. I'm putting everything where I need it to be. Maybe your routine includes breakfast, maybe just coffee. We have routines in life, and and for me specifically, I've had a a routine even since I've come to this church. Uh, Typically when I come, uh, especially if I have the family with me, when I get here early in the morning, I'll drop off everybody except for one of my sons who uh, likes to walk with me through the parking lot. I'll drop him off at the door, and then I go and I park in my spot, and sometimes I'll have to drive over piles of snow to get to my spot because it's not a, a place that always gets plowed when we have bad weather. But I park out there and then I walk back up and I pray my way through. And I typically will pick up a little bit of trash if there's some as well because that makes me feel like God's happy with me for whatever reason. And then I get into the building and kind of walk through the, trend, or the, the different things that have to take place as it leads up to uh, Sunday morning with prayer meeting, with our time. I pray with some other gentlemen before first service and just all of those things. I think one of the things specifically that is included now that wasn't included when I was a child when it comes to routine is this expectation that we're going to come to a place and we're going to hear and we're going to experience the Spirit. You know, sometimes when it comes to routines, they become checkbox lists rather than this openness or perspective of what God has for us, right? We, we say, okay, here's the things that need to be accomplished rather than here's the openness I need to have or the, 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 the desire, the, the, the perspective I need to hold. When we come to this place, or when we tune in online for a Sunday morning opportunity to fellowship with each other, to sing together, to worship through many different facets, God wants to do something. Sometimes it's not exactly what we want. I I remember my routine when I was a young boy. In fact, when I was early elementary and even probably uh, preschool age, I remember specifically what would happen. And uh, I I remember going into the the upstairs bathroom and my dad would put down the lid on the toilet and I would sit on the, the lid on the toilet while he would get out the most uncomfortable and stiff brush you have ever seen in your life. And he would begin to comb my hair that seemed like it hadn't been combed since the previous Sunday. And I remember it would jerk my head and it hurt so bad. But I also recognized the fact that this grooming, this process that we were walking through was important for me because when I go to church, I have to, you know, I have to have this, this perspective or this way. And while I will say that every metaphor falls short, today's sermon, as we've transitioned over the last week, Pastor Dave spoke last week on the practicality, today's sermon is probably going to be one of those difficult situations. And I want to see all of you. That's why I had the lights turned on. 
one of those difficult situations where you might feel like the scripture, the word, the spirit is stepping on your toes. There you go. Now you can hide again. <laughs> and so if you wore open, open-shoed toes today, let me just tell you right now, here's your warning. The spirit is, is going to speak this morning, and there could be or there probably should be for all of us. I know there was this week as I prepared for this sermon and read through the text, a little bit of conviction and hopefully at the same time, a little bit or a lot of encouragement. And so would you permit with me to say, yes, I will listen to what the Spirit has today. I won't close it off. I won't say, yeah, I've heard these passages before. I'm not as bad as that person, which is always a, a great excuse. I'm, all, I'm not as bad as that person, so I'm okay. But instead, listen to the Spirit and how the words, the text, Paul's words that were inspired by the Spirit have an impact or could have an impact on you. Are we in this together today? Can this be our routine to be expectant, to be open to listening to what God has for us today. Paul's been discussing the unity and maturity as twin goals within the context of the first four chapters of this, this letter, the, the first, this first portion of this letter that he's written to the church in Ephesus. And it's interesting now that he goes into this format of understanding that it's not just about unity of the body, and it's not just about maturity of the individual, but it's also about this purity, this sanctification, or this holiness as it's uh, expressed and talked about in Scripture. It's about being different, living different, recognizing that the experience that we've had of salvation, of being made new in Christ because of his sacrifice and because of our response to that has a varying response or result, or requires a varying response or result of us living differently, being different people, new creations in Him. Today's sermon is called The The Blueprints for Christian Living, and we're going to walk through uh, quite a bit of text today. And let me just say this, it's not going to be like a typical sermon that where there's a, you know, kind of a narrative process of walking through these elements. Instead, in a lot of rites, in a lot of ways, we're going to walk through the specific bullet points that Paul expresses on how we should live as believers, and we're going to look at how those tangibly apply and what response we should have as believers in Jesus, as a response to the truth that we hear today. It's interesting to note, we're going to pick up in chapter 4, verse 17. It's interesting to note that Paul starts with a little bit of a splash. He kind of jumps in and says, okay, I've given you a lot of information. Now let me tell you, I have seen some things, seen some ways that you have been living, and they're not right. In fact, there are specific things that I want to say to you right out of the gate. And so as we kind of walk through this, I am going to pause as we go. We're going to read the text, but I'm also going to pause as we go. And as we pause and look at these specific things, that's where the bullet points will come in for those of you who are taking notes today. Pick it up in verse 17. It reads like this. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separate from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Now, there is a lot of information there in those first two verses. There's the challenge, there is the where you used to be, and there's also the why you are where you used to be, or why those that are still there are where they should be. 
It says here that you should no longer live where you used to be, no longer live in the darkness. And the point, the first point right, right out of the gate is, the, is this proclamation that we are called to live as children of light. We are called to live as children of light. Wouldn't it have been really cool if the lights came up there <laughs> unintentionally rather than where they did? Um, that wasn't the plan, but hey, you know what? Sometimes after the fact, hindsight helps. But let me just say, we are called to live as children of light. We're called to live in the light, exposed and, 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 and seen by the Spirit, and, and, and really recognized by the world as being different than those who live in the darkness. But as the passage there uh, reads, it says, they're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life because of the ignorance and then due to their hardening of hearts. And this right here is, is pretty core. It's pretty crucial, pretty uh, important to understand. This hardening of hearts, what does this mean? It means that they have put themselves, the people being expressed or responded about or talked about here, they have put themselves in a position because of their own choosing to have a, a closed ear, a closed heart, a closed mind against the ways of the Spirit. They have chosen to have a hard heart. They have chosen to eliminate the voice of God. And we're going to talk about that as we move forward. But they have chosen to say, nope, I'm not going to listen. In fact, that leads into verse 19. It says, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of of greed. So this is, a, this is a key verse. In fact, this is a key verse throughout the rest of the text that we're going to walk into today and the text for the rest of the passage along the way. Verse 19 is a key verse because it refers to this fact of one's intentional giving over of themselves. And there's an intentional giving over that we can have uh, giving ourselves over to Christ or we can give ourselves over to the things that, that Paul refers to as uh, impurity or giving ourselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. Here he's not specifically talking about the, the context of, of sexual things, but any kind of impurity, any kind of, of, of impurity that would stifle the spirit in any way. Perhaps you've experienced a similar situation, but several weeks ago, I was having a conversation with my wife. We're standing in the kitchen, we're having a discussion, we're talking about something. I really don't even remember what the context of the conversation was. It was probably plans for the week or who's going to take which child where, or what we're going to do as far as kind of getting things in order. We're having this discussion and in my mind pops the fact that, hey, you know what? It's been a while since I've checked on the fire. I need to run downstairs and make sure that everything's going well and that if there needs to be, you know, if I need to put some more logs on the fire, I will. And so as we're talking, I'm, well, as I'm talking, I'm walking down the stairs and I think to myself, well, uh, this is probably subconscious more than anything else. My wife knows what I'm doing, even though I haven't reported to her what I'm doing. She's probably following me. I walk down the stairs, I walk into the living room or into the family room at the bottom of the stairs, I walk over to the fireplace, still talking, and at the conclusion of what I'm saying, there's a question mark, which means that I'm expecting a response. But this question mark, because of the fact that I am downstairs and very far away from the person I was talking to, is not answered with a response, in fact, it's answered with silence. And at a certain point, I began to get frustrated. I thought, why is she not answering my question? So I ask it again. After three times, I turn around and recognize she's not standing there. <laughs> it was interesting, the fact that the further that I walked away from the person that I was engaging with, the less I was able to hear her and the less she was able to hear me. 
And in fact, that same thing is true with the Holy Spirit and this hardening of heart concept. The more that we say no to the Spirit, the more that we walk away from the Spirit's leading, the more that the Spirit says, here's what I want you to do, and we say, hey, that's too hard, or that's too personal, or that's a part of my life that I want to hold on to, so I'll just assume do it. The more we do that, the harder our heart gets, the further we walk away, and the less we hear the voice of the Spirit. And that's not the Spirit's fault because the Holy Spirit, God in, in, in spirit form, is there. He's listening. He's open. He wants to connect. But the further we get away, the more we get disconnected. These people that, that are being spoken of here given themselves over intentionally to impurities, to the lust, to the things of this world. And the point, if you're following along, is this. A failure to hear God's voice is not the result of him having moved away but in fact, it's because you did. If we can't hear the voice of God, it's not because he's moved away. It's because of our action to move away, to step away, or to allow distraction into our life. Sometimes we're too busy, or we've got too much going on, or we're doing it rather than giving it over to God. For whatever reason, we have been the one that's created the barriers or that's moved away, not God. And I'll say this, if, if we're feeling to hear God's voice, it's because of our, our literal desire, our intentional desire to put something else before God or to step away in our own right. Verse 20 continues like this, that, however, is not the way of life you learned. When something is eliminated, when something is eliminated, in, 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 in any case, in any form, a void is created. And after a while, that void is going to be filled. After a while, that void is going to be filled. If you dig a hole in your backyard and, and you just leave it, eventually that void is going to be filled, whether it's going to become a, a, a mud puddle and, and, a, and a nice uh, bird bath, or maybe it's going to end up being a place for mosquitoes to come and, and join your, uh, your neighborhood, or maybe eventually it gets filled with leaves or, or even dirt or whatever, but eventually every void is specifically filled. And so what Paul is saying here is when you put all this stuff off, recognize there's going to have to be some kind of transition in in your life. The void will not remain empty. The void will not remain there. In fact, it will be filled with something. And sometimes even it's filled with good things. We see this within the church. In fact, I, I used to have uh, a, a, a pastor that I would talk to often uh, when I was at another church, and he, he expressed this concept to me that was pretty interesting. I think I've mentioned it from the platform before, but I'm going to go into a little bit more detail. It's this concept of what you win someone with is what you win them to. Now get this for a moment. What you win someone with is what you win them to. And the idea is this. If someone comes to Christ through a uh, vacation Bible school, vacation Bible school becomes one of the, the things that, are, that, are, that is rooted deeply within them as an important value, as an important priority. And it's, it's almost like for some that vacation Bible school becomes the only way that people can come to Christ. It's the only way people can connect. Maybe that's not anyone in here, so let's move on to something else. Maybe it's music. I probably shouldn't say, talk about this one, but I'm going to. Music is often a, a, a divider within churches specifically because there's specific ways that I grew up singing or specific songs or styles that I like, and therefore they're the only way and everybody has to worship or sing, I should say. I don't want to make it a generalization because worship is much larger than music, but uh, that should sing the same songs in the same way that I do. 
Maybe it's a, a small group. Maybe it's a, a, a way that, um, that a church functions. Or, or maybe it's a, 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 even a nonprofit or, or a faith-based organization or, or something along those lines, a parachurch organization. Sometimes someone turns from the old way, the Gentile way of thinking that's expressed here towards Christ, but because of the method by which they became a believer or they stepped in or they asked Christ into their life, because of that method, it became such a strong thing in their life that that actually becomes the thing that fills the void. And let me just tell you, that's one of Satan's greatest tricks and goals is to get us focused on good things rather than the best thing. To get us focused on things in this world that might seem possible or, excuse me, important and, and might seem great, but they're not the greatest thing, which is the gospel of Jesus. And while there are things, there are measures that, that take time, that have time in our lives, that, 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 are, that are important methods and strategies along the way, there's only one thing that matters most that can fill that void and that should fill that void, and that is the person of Jesus. And I'll venture to say, if Jesus is not your high priority, he's not the one filling every area of your life, if he's not the one that, that, is, that is leading you and guiding you, is the one that you are running after at, at full force, attempting to try to be like, to hear his voice, then whatever thing you are engaged in, whatever thing takes priority over him, that's your God. Even good things. And the point is this, any priority elevated above Christ is wicked. Any priority, whether good or bad, whether it be a, a person in your life that, that's a good person, or whether it be a, a study or a way, whatever it is, anything, any priority of elevated above Christ is wicked. Now, there are priorities in our life that can draw us to Christ and point us to Christ, but they need to be seen as simply a process or a means to growing in our relationship to experiencing Jesus in a very real way. The passage continues, 21 reads like this, into 20, uh, to 21 to 24 says, When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the, tru with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on new self, the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul recognizes, look, when you, when you step away from this old life, a void will be created. So make sure that when you take off the new self or the old self that you put on the new self, because if you take off the old self, say, I'm turning my back on this, but you don't fully embrace Christ, something else is going to take your attention. That's one of the biggest concerns that, that I have as a pastor is when somebody says, I want to give my heart to Jesus, right? Or I want to become a Christ follower, and they do so. They, they walk through that process. They make that, that, that transition in their life by allowing God to, to move and to transform and to change them, is that when they do so, a target comes on their back, and, and, and Satan says, okay, well, let me try to find some way to just try to change the direction just a little bit so they're not focused true north directly on God. 
This is where the, the transition happens. So, so, so what do we do with this? So we're supposed to step into this new life. We're supposed to step out of the old self into the new self and become a, a new creation. Let me just say a warning before I, I move on. I'm, I'm concerned to some extent for something that I said earlier that, that this is going to be one of those, well, I already know this part. I've heard this stuff before. I'm not that bad. Let me just ask you right now, just, to, just as I had to do myself as I read through this throughout the week, uh, to, to look at it uh, situation with your own ears, or with, look with your own eyes and hear it with your own ears. If you're looking with your ears, you're doing the wrong thing. You need to... This is a moment where, where we, each one, can examine our own spirit in light of God and express, okay, here's a place, here's a place that I, I maybe need to, to turn over to God. Verse 25 reads like this, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. I mean, that's been the, one of the veins of, of importance throughout the context of this entire chapter, uh, the past chapter so far. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to do, something to share with those in need. You know, this, this passage right here starts off with breaking out this important context of recognizing that there are some among them that were doing things that were, were bad, were negative, were, were hurting the body because God called us to, to live in community, created us to live in community, recognizes there's going to be times where we don't necessarily always connect or do the right thing. He's calling us to be kind. And I know sometimes we think, well, I, I want to be, be nice to people because I don't want to hurt their feelings. Well, in essence, what he's saying is not being nice because niceness and kindness are not the same thing. Sometimes kindness means saying things to people in love to help them to understand that where they're at is not honoring to God. And I'm not saying in any way to run up to people and say, hey, here's where you're messing up. But sometimes God has people in our, in our lives and we have people, people that are in our lives and we're in their life where he gives us opportunity to be able to speak truth in love to one another where it's going to be received in a way where you say, you know what, yeah, I have been falling short. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Maybe you don't say it exactly like that in that tone, but certainly it's received. And the point is, Paul shares practical content addressing real-world issues. It's interesting to me that people still, even to this day, say, well, the Bible's not applicable to today. If you can read this passage that we're walking through and that you're, we're going to read through the rest of this chapter and say that it doesn't apply today to what's going on, then you're living on an, in an alternate universe. You're, you're, you're honestly, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Is it easy? I mean, it, it always seems like a fight happens, especially with the people that we're most close to. Is it easy to have the conversation right before bed about a fight that you just had? No, it's like, typically it's like, okay, let's just be done. We'll talk about this in the morning. And guess what? The morning's never good. No, it's, it's, it's an impression of understanding that we're still walking through issues today. We're still having uh, problems today. We're still walking through times of being angry and, and having fights with one another and allowing anger and, and the problems that come along with it to fester. 
Giving the devil a foothold. What an interesting concept. What an interesting metaphor, giving the devil a foothold. I think about the reality that the devil only needs a small little crack. And you can't see it from your angle, but there's small little cracks between all the sections on this platform. And there's one crack right here that I know that right now I could, it's, it's big enough that I could probably put a, a spud bar or something large in there and put it right through there and just kind of pull back and it would push this whole thing apart and separate these two pieces. Just this small little crack. Matter of fact, there's another crack here that's even smaller. I think I could do the same thing. Let me tell you, in most cases in life, especially in relationships, that's all Satan's looking for is one small little crack. One little change, one one little misunderstanding, one, well, he said that to me just that way. And so I think, and Satan says, yep, you're right. That person who you've loved for 30 years and been married to all of a sudden thought, how can I really hurt her feelings, right? No. No. But Satan gets in there and he begins to talk and that little foothold becomes the, the, the fracture, the crack that brings forth a, a great change and a, and, a, and a great separation between the body. I think about the, the, the things I have stored in, in, in my shed out back and, and out back I've got uh, you know, bird seed and all these different things. And I think about the fact that when, when one time, one time this happened, right? When, when I don't put the lid all the way on the, 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 the bird seed, just takes one little, one little crack, one little oversight. I know the next time I come out, I'm going to have a whole new family of mice living in the shed. Just one little crack. One time leaving the door open. One time just saying, okay, well, tonight I'm too tired to have this conversation. I'm just going to go to bed. And then it festers. And it continues. Verse 28 says, it talks about this idea of stealing and the reality that sometimes our sins have consequences and we have to, to make things right. And Paul's expressing the fact that when you do something wrong, there needs to be a response to it. 29 talks about unwholesome talk. It's interesting to me. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. It doesn't say there, don't let, a, a, you know, make the majority of your talk be wholesome. As long as the majority is good, you're good. It actually doesn't even say, as long as you say one more good thing than bad thing, it's okay. No, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs. Now, that doesn't say that it's only nice stuff. Because sometimes building up others is difficult for the other person to hear, but, is, but if done so in love, it's extremely helpful for the body and for that individual. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up and according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen, those who don't have a hardened heart, those who love and those who express a, a truth and, and those who express a desire to want to grow. Let me ask you a question. If I were to have, or if someone were to, to read a, a transcript of your conversation, the words that you said this week from the platform this week, what would be the definition of you at the conclusion? Now, I'm not saying that this isn't some judgmental thing. This is simply just looking at just your words. What would someone think about you? Would they say, oh, this, well, this person's an electrician? Or this person, they talked a lot about, uh, about the fact that they, they work in, you know, they're an engineer, or maybe they're a coach or a teacher. This is a student right here. This is uh, um, a, a teacher. Would they say, this is a Christ follower? When I lived in Northwest Indiana, I worked uh, part-time to, to pay the bills. I, 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 uh, vocationally, I, I worked at a hardware and lumber store. 
And we would have people come in all the time, contractors, and they would buy different supplies. And eventually I knew who worked for which businesses and which companies. And, and there was one gentleman that would come in all the time. And he was more of a weekend warrior kind of guy. He would, he would come and he would buy specific things. And, and as he did, he was always kind of off the wall, but he would talk about the Chicago Cubs all the time. Every time he would come in, he would tell me, and even in the off season, they made this trade or during the season, did you see the game last night? And in essence, no, I didn't watch the game. I never watch the Cubs, but here's all the things that are going on. This new uh, manager is going to do this, and we've got this guy on the bench, and -and so-and-so's injury report. He would give me all this information, and I remember asking the other guy that I worked with that knew him, what does he do for a living? Is he like a broadcaster? No. Is he a former player of the team? No. Does he have anything to do with Major League Baseball? No. Is he a sports writer in the local paper? No. I said, what does he actually do? Well, he's the guy that walks around and and, and gives tickets to people when their parking meter runs out in town. A job that's needed, obviously, especially if you're looking for a a space to park and somebody else's uh, parking meter is expiring. It's it's not a, a menial job. It's not an unnecessary job, but it's not what I expected him to be because his speech indicated he was something totally different. If someone were just to, to, to kind of understand you, based upon the speech that you have, the, 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 the words that you, and, and let me just say this, our words are a gift from God to be able to have, to be able to express. The words that you say, would they say, this is a Christ follower? Would they say, this person, they follow Christ. This person knows Jesus. This is a person who is on fire, uh, that wants to build others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Is this person a Christ follower? Verse 30 says, and, and, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, forgave, Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragment or as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Just as Christ did, and you think for a moment, man, this is difficult to do. I don't know if I can do this. This is the way that I'm made. This is the way that I'm wired. You don't know the environment that I work in. Let me just say that Jesus himself, he chose his action. He chose his path. He chose what he was going to do because he was human. And when Scripture says to follow Him, part of what Paul is telling us to do is follow Christ's difficult example, which is no matter what, in whatever circumstance, follow His way. That verse 31, get rid of all, indicates a choice. It indicates the fact that we have a choice, that we're not intrinsically made the way that we are, and we're stuck in this, this specific way or this specific culture, this specific setting, or, you know, we're, we're not stuck in what we have to do or where we have to be, but instead that we have a choice to be able to step forward and get rid of the things in our lives. And sometimes that means moving closer to God rather than stepping further away from Him, as I indicated earlier. Just as Christ forgave you is an interesting thing to say, because Christ in the most difficult setting, in the most difficult environment, still chose to love you and I. The next point might be puzzling, but I'm going to express it right now. Being made new means getting rid of the little black book. 
The way I say it like this, or the reason I say it like this, is because of, of kind of an illustrative way that I think about pretty much every sitcom in the 80s and 90s had some individual, some Tomcat or former Tomcat that had this, this little black book of all the ladies that, that at some point in his life that he, he dated and that he was, you know, he, he could at any point call one of them and say, hey, do you want to go on a date? And, and I think about all those situations, but also I think about the reality that in some cases in life, more beyond simple relationships or former relationships, that sometimes even as believers, we hold on to this little black book or this, this, this thing that says, okay, if, if this doesn't work out, if my, my, my life, this, this decision to follow Jesus doesn't work out, I can still fall back on these things. This is one of those burn the ships type situations where you burn the only way back so that you can move forward towards Christ. And this idea of getting rid of the little black book means getting rid of any former way of life, any old self life. When it says get rid of, it's an all in situation. It's an all or nothing situation. It's saying yes to God and no to self. One and two, chapter five, one and two are extremely powerful with this concept of stepping forward in love, following God's example. But we can only do so if we say no to the old self and step into this new life. Paul continues in this final portion with this idea, this concept, uh, this transition of practical sense. What does it look like practically? Verse 3 reads like this in chapter 5, But among you there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this... For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a person is an idolater, has, <clears throat> has an, any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. <coughs> Excuse me. Let no one deceive you with any empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Following Christ is an all-in endeavor. Following Christ is an all-in endeavor. It's not, okay, let me try this out for a little while, but when I'm home or when I'm at work or when I'm at school, I'm going to be a little different. I'm going to do my own thing. It's not a two-faced hypocrisy type thing. This is a, if I'm going to be a believer, that's what I am holistically, all of me, everything that I am. We know this because of the note in, in verse 3, among you there must not be a hint of immorality. A hint of immorality. Uh, not even a hint of sexual immorality, of any kind of impurity, of greed, of obscenity, of foolish talk, of course joking, but rather thanksgiving. Filling the void, once again, with thanksgiving. This past week, I got to see some of my, uh, my uh, in laws. My, my brother in law told, told me a, a reminder of a story. He was actually talking to my daughter about something uh, that was pretty interesting, but at the same time, I was listening in second party, kind of like we're doing right now in the book of Ephesians, listening in second party of the universal truths. And he talked about this idea uh, of a hint of immorality. And perhaps you've heard the illustration before, but he, he said, what if I offered you a plate of brownies? Anybody heard this before? What if I offered you a, a plate of brownies and I said, hey, I made these brownies for you. I know you love brownies. I've got ice cream. I've got, you know, syrup or Hershey syrup if you want to put on. I've got this delicious dessert for you. You can have a piece. You can have all of it. You can do whatever you want. But let me just tell you, when I was making the brownies, 
When I was putting the brownies together, when I was mixing up the batter, my dog came in the room and, well, just a little bit of, of the dog's poop got in the brownies. It's just a little hint. Just a small little hint got into the brownies and, well, you know, the rest of it's good. Everything else is good. The rest of it's so delicious and you're going to enjoy that part of it as long as you can avoid this little hint. But there's just a little hint in the brownies. So eat up. I don't think anybody, I mean, I don't want to judge anyone, but no one's going to try those brownies. A hint can be a, a big thing, can have a huge impact. And it certainly does in a spiritual realm within our lives. A hint of immorality can spoil the entire thing. And the point is, if you said that you are a Christ follower, then live like it. If you said that you're a Christ follower, then live like it. Jump all in without any hint, without any obscenity, without any any of these other things that are specifically in the way. Live as children of the light in goodness, with righteousness, in truth. Find out what pleases God. That's that's the, 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 the response I always have specifically when somebody says, well, how do I grow closer to Jesus? Find out what pleases God. And here's, here's an easy way to do so. You can also do so through talking with, with other people within the context of the church. Find out what pleases God. Allow the Spirit to lead you. And then jump into that thing. Because I can tell you right now, if you jump into that thing, if you're like me, it's difficult to multitask. It's hard to do anything else. Just please God and make it your priority. Continuing verse 8, it says like this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Not just living in darkness, but you were darkness. And now being made new, you're light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to rather it, shameful even to mention what this what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illus, that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it says, "Wake up, sleeper! Rise from the dead." And Christ will shine on you. Be careful, be very careful then how you live. Do not do, excuse me, how you live, not in unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We read this passage and we look specifically at this concept and understanding. We walk through and see that Paul fills in the blanks. Here's how you should look. Here's how you should live. This is who Christ is. This is what he calls us to do. And then finally, in verse 21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that's, that's the final point there. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're going to break into this, but I want this to be a ponderable verse for this week because we're going to talk about it specifically next week as we walk into the next portion of this uh, 
series, Submit to One Another Out of Reverence for Christ. What does that tangibly actually look like? Let me just say the blueprint for Christian living is not in our action alone. It's in our connectedness. It's in our connection with Christ. I don't know how many of you like to, to have a, a good meal, especially when it comes to celebrating around a holiday, but typically what takes place, especially before you know you're going out to, to somewhere where you're going to have a, a big meal or maybe before Thanksgiving or before uh, a Christmas or Easter dinner, whatever it might be, typically what happens is you don't walk around filling your belly with a bunch of snacks, right? At least you shouldn't. You don't run into the pantry or open the refrigerator and grab a handful of this or, 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 or uh, you know, polish off a, well, maybe I shouldn't say that, have a cookie or two, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe you do a, a little bit here and there, but what ends up happening in most cases when you do that? You spoil your appetite. In fact, you get full of things that you shouldn't so that there's no space for the thing that you intended to indulge in to begin with. We get, to a, we get to a place, we find ourselves in a place where all the grazing, all the search and destroy mentality for all the things of the world have caused us to lose sight of or to lose an appetite for the one who created us and who has given us that appetite that we have in general. The heart of living a life that reflects Paul's blueprint for Christian living revolves around being so full of Christ that we don't have room, we're not hungry for anything else. That's the all-in mentality. That's the jumping in with both feet. That's the experiencing Christ in a greater way, not having room for anything else. That's the, that's the greatest defense you could ever have against, against Satan is to be so full on offense towards Christ that we don't even have time for Satan's spells, his temptations, or the sin that he tries to throw in our way. We're going to close this service today and we're going to sing and then Pastor Seth's going to close us in prayer at the conclusion. We're going to sing this song together, King of My Heart. And as we walk through this and Paul discuss this concept, this understanding of sometimes in life, you know, there's things that seem even good that take precedence or priority over Christ. What, what I want us to do as we sing is not just simply to, to listen to one another or to read the word, but may this be a prayer. May this be a moment where the Spirit says, hey, throughout the context of this reading, there was a thing here with this coarse joking. There was a thing here with this impurity. There was a thing here with simply just not being all in. And that's the moment where we express, God, I want you to be king of my heart. Wash over all these other things. Yes, there has to be a physical action of us saying yes to him and stepping forward to him. But the real power comes when we relinquish it and we say, God, be my king. Change me, transform me. It's through your power that I can experience this. So I want to encourage you to stand. And as we stand together and we sing this song, may it be an expression of prayer, of acknowledgement of who we are, of a new life, of a power we draw on, of a king who loves us. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. 
If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.